0: Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 52, where this week we're actually responding to a question sent in last time by Alison and Cumbria about taking out finance to get a new car. More of that in just a second as we delve into an episode called Buying and Running a Car. But you're in exactly the right place to research for other financial advice as well, because in our program to date, We've covered mortgages, investments, pensions, Credit unions, self-build homes, help-to-buy schemes, premium bonds, life insurance, and well, loads more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last week, we reviewed intergenerational financial planning. Now, we can drill down and look at pretty much anything forensically, but if you have a general financial query, first place to look is probably our back catalogue. Search the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts, and you'll find us there. An enormous resource available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one, have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis. With me as always, the star of our show, it's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi,
1: John. How are you? That's a, a year, episode 52. So, I know.
0: The year doing the podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, now, I know we've got heaps to cover in this week's episode, but I thought it might be worthwhile to start with what actually prompted this show. If you're new to us, you might not know. At the end of every episode, we feature a couple of questions which have been sent to Phil, and we always invite you to send in yours. So, last week, Alison from Cumbria asked, I'm looking to buy a car on finance. At the moment, I don't have any money outstanding on loans or credit cards, and I'm wondering whether I should try to take a loan from my bank, for example, to pay the car outright, or go for the financial plan being offered by the dealer, which is incentivized by a further reduction of the overall cost of the car by a few hundred pounds. So. We might not dig down and answer that one straight away, Alison, but we promise you at some stage in the course of the next half an hour or so we'll provide you with a resolution to that, or at the very least loads of info allowing you to make that all important decision. So Phil, where do you want to start on buying and running a car?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, what I would say is like after maybe buying your home, cars are among the most expensive things that we'll, we'll buy in life. So, I mean, it, it costs money to run, insure, fix them. So, Hopefully today we'll be able to answer Alison's question. And, and if, I, I wanted to cover like some of the different ways that you can buy a car. And there, there are quite numerous ways. So to try and do that in just a, a moment or two near the end of the show would have been really quite a, a difficult task. So I thought, right, let's spend a wee bit of time, go through some of the different options that you've got for, for buying your vehicle. And, and hopefully it helps people make a, a bit more of an informed choice when they, they do come to buy a car.
0: Okay, so let's look at some of those ways then. What's first up?
1: They, I suppose the most obvious way to, to buy a car is, is cash. I mean, that that's if you've got the money, you, you might think, right, I'll I'll kind of just pay cash for it. But what I've seen some people do in the, the past is they, they've maybe got the money in their bank and they've thought, right, I can afford to buy my, my vehicle out, right? But what I've since seen, I remember one chap that I know, what he did was he, he came to me and he said, he goes, look, how much would it cost to, to borrow money and what's the cost of borrowing just now? And like, let, let's just say you could get a loan for 4%, say, or, or in fact, a lot of car deal, dealers will do not percent finance kind of deals. So if you were getting, for example, a not percent finance deal, you might think, right, I'll then take that money and instead of putting it down to buy the car outright, I'll maybe put that into some kind of investment. But doing that can be seen as as quite high risk, quite speculative as well. And depending on where you put your money, if you put it into something that's risky, you could end up losing money. So so, so cash is probably the most obvious way to to buy a car, but then not all that many people have got the cash there that they can go and, and just purchase a car. I don't know what the statistics are. It'd be interesting to... Can kind of look that up. But I, I would reckon most car purchases are, are bought on some kind of finance package. The, the different ways that you can buy a car on finance are, are numerous. Probably the, the most popular one is, is maybe some sort of higher purchase or sometimes referred to as, as HP. The, the way that that works, you would usually put down some sort of deposit yourself And then you're taking out a loan, which is secured against the car. So you would pay that off in monthly installments. It can last anything. The the term can be anything from maybe one year to five years. You'll tend to find the the interest rates are usually better on new cars than they, they would be on used cars. Typically, the, the rates can range anything between maybe about four to eight percent, but a lot will depend on your credit rating and how much of a deposit you put down. If you don't have a very good credit rating, keepers the rates could be twenty five percent upwards. Hmm. So so the rates can be quite quite high. So your, your credit rating it's all about risk to the the person that's lending you the money because it's secured against the car. If you didn't make the payments on it, they would get. The car back. So that takes a little bit of the, the risk out of it for the, the lender when you are doing a, a higher purchase. What, one thing that's important to note, if you're buying a car, if it's got a loan secured on it, if you purchase that car, you're then liable for that debt. So that's why if you're buying a used car, I would always encourage people to get checks done. You can go online and find out if the vehicle has got finance attached to it. You can find out if it's ever been written off. You, you can also find out if it's ever been sort of recorded as stolen as well. I know one of the, the companies, the AA, do this sort of checks, and it costs £15 pounds to, to get that done, but that's something that a lot of people didn't realise, is that if you buy a car and there's higher purchase on that car, you are then liable for it so that that's a, something that's quite a good tip for for anyone buying a used car
0: yeah if if um if someone is doing that and they're buying a used car through a dealer phil is the dealer uh, obliged to let you know that information yeah, they'll
1: they'll sort that out it's more if you're buying a used car like privately that that you would want to get that checks done that the dealers do i think it's called an an hpi check so they would do all of that sort of things i i recently i i had a car that uh, i got rid of not that long ago now i i had a what was called a a pcp agreement we'll come to those in in just a few moments but i i sold my car to it was at webuyanycar.com oh yeah now luckily for me the, the car was worth more than, than the loan that I had, but they do all of that checks to make sure, and they, they're aware to know, right, this needs to get repaid. And, and I actually had to wait probably about a week or so to get my money through. And I remember a few years back, I, I sold a car to them as well. It didn't have any finance. And that time I got the money through the, that day. So um so that, that's something to be aware of. But yeah, if you buy a used car um privately, Make sure you, you get the, the checks done on it. Coming back to, to higher purchase, I mean, some of the, the kind of advantages of that, you can get flexible repayment terms. so You can choose a term that suits your budget. As I said, usually it would be anything from about one to five years. But remember, the longer you take out a debt, the more interest you'll, you'll pay back over that time. Usually on, on higher purchases, one advantage is, is that you often don't need a, a big deposit. To, to put down it might be about 10% of the, the the kind of car value in most agreements the the interest rate is fixed so for budgeting you'll know exactly what what you'll pay each month but what you'll find as well is over time once, once you've paid off maybe half the car costs at that point you'd maybe be able to return it and have a bit of equity in the car in the early days if if you've found you weren't affording it, it might cost you to to put it back. So again, if if you don't have a a high credit score, it might be easier to get higher purchase than it would a personal loan. So that's another kind of advantage of a a sort of higher purchase agreement. Another good thing with it as well is you don't have any restrictions on the amount of miles you can do. Some of the the things that we'll touch on soon, Mm. you're only allowed to do a certain uh, amount of miles on. And unlike... A PCP agreement, which we'll cover fairly soon, with them you have to make a payment at the end. The good thing with a higher purchase is you don't have have that as well. So that that would cover most of the advantages of a like a higher purchase agreement. Some some of the disadvantages of that is theoretically you don't really own the car until you've made the final payment. So as I mentioned, if if you were to get into financial difficulties the finance company could take the the car back. What you'll find as well is you can't sell or modify the car over the contract term without getting permission first. And like I say, if if you owe more, if the car's not worth as much as the, the agreement to pay it back, if the settlement figure is higher, you would need to find that money as well. You'll tend to find monthly payments are usually higher than maybe PCP or leasing deals, but then the advantage is that you own that vehicle at, at the end of the day. You, another disadvantage is that the amount of deposit you need and maybe the length of term that you can take it out over and your, your monthly payments. Your monthly payments are likely to be higher the smaller the deposit you put down and the shorter term of, of the loan. So that, that's just some of the, the kind of pros and cons of, of that type of agreement.
0: Okay, I should probably have checked this uh, at the the start, Phil. I know that we're going to talk about um, personal contract purchase and personal contract hire in just a minute and a few others. Are all of these viable for both new and used cars?
1: Yeah, you've got some that are maybe better for... Like, for, for example, if I go on to, to like, a, a PCP agreement, the, these tend to be more popular for, for new motors as opposed to to used ones. And, and, and the way that that works, a personal contract purchase or, or PCP, it, it's probably a, a slightly more complicated way to, to pay for a car. It's like a long-term rental, but you've got the option at the end that you can then either hand back the car or you get a future value and at that point, you can say, right, yes, I'll buy it for that. that that's what I did with my one. I, I thought, right, I've now kind of got it. The, the, the future value was lower than what the actual value of the car was. So I just thought, right, if I sell it now, I can make a wee bit of profit on it, or I could have kept the, the car longer. So so with a personal contract purchase, it's almost like you're leasing the car for a, a set period, but with the option to, to buy it at the end. And, and quite often... At the end, it's often known as a balloon payment that you need to make. But one thing you've got to be able to do is find the money at the end to to buy it if you want to to keep that car, or you can just sort of hand it back. One, One thing I would say about PCP agreements is, they can often have a bit of an impact if you're taking out a mortgage. Ah, okay. What, what lenders will do, now, if you're taking out a mortgage, lenders will look and say, right, how much are you paying out for maybe like a car loan or or lease agreement? But with a PCP, what they do is they'll not only take into account the fact that you've got a monthly payment going out, but they'll also look at the payments at the end. So they, they would say, right, your debt is the full value of that agreement, including the end payment—you payment, yeah. could hand the car back at, at that point. So, mm. PCP agreements tend to be more like beneficial on newer cars. I—I I once did one on a, a used car, and do you know what? Pr- what you're doing is paying for the depreciation in in the car, and and at that point, after I took it out, I thought oh, I probably would have been as well, almost going for a, a brand new car. It would have cost a little bit more, but nay that much more in, in the grand scheme of things. So another way that you can do it is this PCP or personal contract purchase, which is a bit more like a, a kind of lease, but with the option to buy it somewhere down the, the road.
0: Okay, and presumably, Phil, uh, I know there's personal contract hire as well. I, I imagine that's a similar situation, but without the option to buy at the end.
1: Pretty much, yeah, That that's pretty much. You know, that, that was the next one I, I was going to speak about, so it was just perfect timing. <laughs> a personal contract hire is effectively a long-term rental. And, and again, really what that does is it allows you to, you're, you're basically leasing the car, and then you can drive a brand new car every few years. So, so you tend to find contract hire tends to be more, again, on, on newer motors. With, with that ones, I, I would say you've usually got relatively lower of monthly payments and you don't have to worry about a resale value at at the end you know that you've got it for a set period of time you pay so much per per month
0: there there are some restrictions with this though as well though aren't there in terms of the mileage that you might do and yeah that's it i
1: mean you you don't have the option to buy the car at the end but one of the things you need to do is specify miles right at the start so your, your agreement might say Right, I'm gonna do six thousand miles a year or ten thousand, depending on, on what your kind of needs are. But if you go above that, it can be really costly at that point because you'll then pay so much pence per mile if you exceed that. So what basically what the, the car dealer is doing in that situation is they're they taking the risk, but they're sort of saying, right, how much is this car gonna be worth? Like when we get it back. So if, if you didn't keep it in a good condition as well, you may have to to fork out a bit of cash if that was the, the sort of case as well. I, I, I used to sell vans. One, one of the first jobs I did oh, many years ago was selling vans. And when we did that, we used to do a lot of personal contract hire. It was popular for, for businesses that maybe didn't want to actually own. The vehicle uh, and so they, they would do a lot of that type of agreement there but the other thing with contract hire is um, so you, you never own the, the vehicle it's just leased you can also have agreements that include maintenance or, or without maintenance and, and what that means is you can have an agreement that includes all the servicing and running costs or you can have one that just the, the cost of the, the car so the, there's different types of agreement that you can do there as well.
0: And it's, it's one of these things, when, when you're talking about the, the sort of restrictions that, that you have, people don't consider this at the time, but you mentioned that the state of the car, for instance, yeah, uh, you can be penalized for that as well. So if you have something like a dog uh, or kids, even, we are in the back and they're messy, then it, this can all cost you money at the end. You, you can't really travel about with the dog in the back of the car at any point. And the, the kids, you have to tie their arms behind the back. <laughs> When they when they get in and then you and then you buckle them into their seat because you know you literally it's because it's not yours you never feel quite at home in the car do you yeah you get away I mean
1: like general wear and tear they'll be be fine with but it is if there was any like on on the on the agreements that where you don't actually own the car like the lease things yeah if, if there was a lot of damage then you you could end up having to pay out for for that hmm. as well you uh, coming on to some of the other ways that you, you can buy the car. I mean, personal loans or, or bank loans, they, they're kind of just a different name for the the same thing, really. Quite a lot of people will, will think, right, maybe take out a, a personal loan or a, a bank loan. And these can be used for used cars or new cars. You're, you're not limited by, by choice with, with that. The, the one thing I would say if you're taking out a personal loan it's great to shop around for the best interest rate and, and what you're looking for there is the lenders have got to to give you what's called an APR which stands for annual percentage rate. Now why this is important on car finance is that or, or on um, personal or bank loans the APR includes not only the interest rate, any other charges and fees that the lender has as well, so it gives you a true reflection of what's going to be the most cost-effective deal for you. Now, I, I always encourage people. It's like if, if you've got a budget. So so let's say you're thinking, right, I've got maybe I need to borrow. I've got a few thousand pound deposit. I want to borrow ten grand, say. I would go online, maybe some of the the price comparison websites or even maybe just to your your own bank. And you you can usually find calculators online that will give you just a rough idea who's got what rates. And it's good if, if you're going to a dealer to buy your car. It's good to be armed with, right, if I borrow... 10 grand over, four years, how much is it going to cost? Who's got the best loan rates? And it's good to to know that when you're negotiating on on your new motor. Um, You tend to find that with with most personal loans and bank loans, the interest rates tend to be fixed on that as well. So, again, it's good when it comes to, to budgeting because you know Um, exactly what what you're going to be paying. And I would say some of the pros of of a personal loan is it can be quite a simple way to to finance your car. Um, They they can be arranged over the phone, over the internet, or you could go into your your local bank to to arrange them. Um, You you can take out personal loans for the whole cost of the car or part of it, depending. So if you didn't have much of a deposit, a a personal loan could be a good way um, of, of buying it there. If you've got a good credit rating, you should get access to all the, the best rates available. If you can get access to the best rates on a personal loan, it could be cheaper than, than a car dealer's finance. Although, what I would say is a lot of car dealers will, will dress up deals where they, they've maybe got not percent finance deals. and. If you've got access to that, that may be more beneficial than, than paying an interest rate on, on a personal loan. So it's try to weigh it up. And, and one thing I would say with, with car finance, that there's no right and wrong way of doing it. That there's many options, and it's trying to find what fits for you best. That, that's kind of the, the thing. And with one of the things, unlike some forms of car finance, with, with a personal loan, you own the car. Well, it's getting paid off. So if if you get into financial difficulties, you could then sell the the car. There there are disadvantages to to like a personal loan or bank loan. You you might find the monthly payments might be higher than than some other forms of finance. You might have to wait for the the money to come through. Another thing I've found in the past is sometimes that people don't get the advertised rates you'll often what companies have to do now is they have to give like a, a typical kind of APR and typical rate but what you'll find is that probably about half of people don't actually qualify for the, the best rates and so your credit score is quite an important thing as well as to what rates that, that you'll get offered. if you go for a go for a, a sort of bank loan, you own the car, but you're then responsible for for all the repairs. So that, that again, there are, are pros and cons of that kind of agreement as well. Tell me,
0: Phil. Uh, one of the, the the ways that you can raise quite a lot of finance uh, in a lot of cases is if you remortgage your home. I know that a lot of people will do that. For instance, we've done that to, uh, you know, maybe build an extension or or do some repair work or, or whatever it is to do up the house. But yeah. can you remortgage uh, to to get the funds to buy a car? You can. I've seen quite a lot of people do that in the the past. You know,
1: if you remortgage, there's some cracking interest rates at the moment. If you've got quite a bit of equity in your home, I mean, there's interest rates at the minute, less than 1% on on mortgages. It's just incredible. Not everybody's got to qualify for that. And some people, if they don't have equity in their home, they might not be able to do it. But it's always something to consider. I mean, remortgaging... Or, or maybe a further advance on your mortgage is, is something that, that you could consider. The downside with adding debt to your mortgage is that that's secured against your home. So if you couldn't afford to pay it back, your house is at risk. I, I guess the, the, the good side with remortgaging is that the interest rates should be really competitive and really good. The downside is that if you take that debt over a longer period of time, At the end of the day, you could end up paying more back over a longer term, and the monthly payments could be cheaper if your mortgage was over, say, 20 or 25 years. But then you're paying that over a lot longer term than maybe a car loan, which might be over three or four years. So, you you do also have options. I mean, like as well as all these like PCP and contract hire personal loans. You've got the option of remortgaging. If you own a property, maybe a secured loan maybe may another option as well. The only downside with secured loans is they often come with, with fees. But then some of the some of these PCPs, the one thing I noticed the car dealers will do is they they often charge like a, a dock-in fee that which is like a document fee. So that you, you've got to watch out for all these little things as well so there there are there's numerous ways that that you can do it another one is is a credit card I mean if if you've got a high enough credit limit a credit card offers a good protection if something goes wrong but then you might be restricted if your credit limit's not high enough That would restrict you. And you do find that interest rates on credit cards can be very high. You get some where you might have 0% for a set period of time. But if that was the case, you, you would want to try and pay that debt back quite quickly. You wouldn't want to put it on a credit card and leave it to pay off after a number of years because Mm. invariably that would end up working to to be really quite
0: expensive. Mm -hmm. Okay, and obviously whichever is best for you depends entirely upon your own circumstances. If you're cash rich, money's no object, you might want to go about it that way. If not, but you don't have any credit issues, you might look at a personal loan to pay it off over a period and so on. Here's a valid concern that could come up, Phil, and I know you mentioned it slightly there. Will your credit score impact the options available to you?
1: Yeah, it certainly does. I mean, the, the better your credit score and the better your credit rating, the more favourable terms you, you're going to get when you're taking out any kind of credit. The, the good news is we, we actually did a show on this. I, I had a look back. It was episode 20, so it was some <laughs> time ago. That one came out in January but if, if someone goes to our, our back catalogue, yeah. and I, I tend to use Apple Podcasts quite a lot, but you can get it on Spotify or pretty much anywhere where, where you get your podcasts. But it took me a minute or two just to scroll back and say, oh, yeah, there it is, episode 20. <laughs> that was one on tips to improve your credit score. So if you are looking to improve your score, that one's well worth a listen. Just, just some quick tips to, to kind of... Just here for, for anybody that doesn't want to go back and, and listen to the whole episode there, I mean, things like getting yourself on the voter's roll can can increase and help your credit rating. Make payments on time. Try not to miss payments. Another one is don't max out things like your credit cards. If you've got a credit card with a limit of £4,000, try and only keep it to maybe £1,000. If you or Ideally, you want to pay it off each month. If you've no credit then i would maybe it's a good idea to then take out say a credit card but make sure that you pay it back each month use it occasionally and and make sure you pay it back because you don't want to be getting hit with, with high interest charges if if you don't have to so yeah credit rating does make a, a big impact on the options available to you and also the the interest rates that you'll pay
0: Okay, and uh, you you mentioned as well about the the mortgage aspect in there. If you were doing the version with the balloon payment at the end, how some mortgage providers will consider that balloon payment as part of the money that you have outstanding that scores against you in terms of your mortgage ability. If you were going to buy a car, and just coincidentally, say you got a new job, right? And, yeah. and coincidentally, you're looking at buy a new home at the same time. You want to get the mortgage sorted first, don't you? And then buy the car afterwards. Because if not,
1: uh, the you know car what?
0: payments are going, to be, are going to be up against you, aren't they?
1: I, I It's amazing how many people change their car <clears throat> around about the same time as moving yeah. house. Yeah, I remember years ago, a guy I know, oh, man, he, we, we got a mortgage agreed in principle for him. And then that was agreed, great. And then he comes back to us. Oh, we've had an offer accepted on a house. Well, by that time, not only had he taken out, bought a new car and taken out like a car sort of finance deal, yeah. but he'd also taken out another loan as well. And I'm oh. like, oh no! <laughs> so, like when, when you get a mortgage agreed in principle, that's based on your circumstances at that time. If they then change later on, sometimes that could have a negative impact. But you wouldn't believe how many people. When they are maybe looking at moving home, they'll they'll go on holiday. They'll buy a new car. It just I don't know. It just seems to be something about it where that seems to happen yep. regularly.
0: Yep. <laughs> so so get the mortgage in place first, and then once yeah. that's all done, dusted. If you can still afford the car, great. And uh, the one thing everyone wants to know, Phil, is how do you get the best deals? How can you shop around for the best car finance deals?
1: I know personally, I've, I've used comparison set websites quite quite a bit in the past. As, as I mentioned earlier, it's good to do a bit of research beforehand just to get an idea it's good to be armed with, with some knowledge before you, you buy, especially if you're buying from, from car dealers. They, they'll have various finance packages available. I mean, you, you'll tend to find they, they'll earn some sort of commission usually from the, the companies. So they're, they're going to try and encourage you to, to do it through themselves. But it's a good idea just to, to kind of I would say shop around, use the comparison websites to give you an idea of what's out there. Compare the total cost of any borrowing as well. So re- regardless of what kind of option you go down, look at look at that. The, some of the comparison websites that I use and uh, uh, there's one Go Compare. I've used it quite a lot for for various things. There's U Switch. They they're two of the the kind of popular ones out there where you can look at all the different types of car sort of finance options and and things and. Another thing I would say to look out for as well when you're, you're buying a motor is also think carefully about things like the, the PPI insurance. or and uh, Car dealers will often try to get you to take out what's called gap insurance, and that can often be quite expensive, and it might give you sort of limited cover as well. Gap cover is designed to pay out if your car is a total write-off, and outstanding finance is more than the value of your car. Now, what I would say, in, in my experience, if you're buying a brand new car, then it's probably a lot better to consider that type of thing there rather than on a, used car, uh, on a used car. So effectively what that does is it's covering, the depreciation goes down, especially on a new car, really quite quickly. Whereas in used cars, yeah, they'll depreciate, but not as quickly as, as a used car. I, I know one of the guys in our office here, his brother, his Gap insurance ran out. And about eight days later, his car was totally written off, oh. didn't it pay out. So that, that was a, a painful, painful one there. But yeah. as well as like the finance, you, you know, the car dealers are, they, they always try to get you to do all these extras. I remember for a, a while, it was like, oh, pay for the car to get this shine on it. And yeah. they're always looking for ways to to make more money, are they? And I, I know from having sold vans myself previously I kind of know some of the tricks they use but they'll dress things up differently they they might say look if, if you trade in I, I think we mentioned I think briefly last week Anderson cars who used to be in Aberdeen <laughs> they were around they said right you've got 1500 pound minimum trade in so folk can just trade anything in and all of a sudden yeah. bang it's off the, the price of your car and so there, there's a lot to, to kind of look into but I used years ago when I used to buy a car, I used to find it quite stressful because I used to always think, oh, I'm getting ripped off and photography trying to make a lot of money out of me. I guess the one thing I would say when you're buying a car is try and enjoy it, because enjoy getting the, the new car. That that's the the kind of thing that I, I would say nowadays.
0: What about if you don't need a car right now, Phil, but obviously you recognise that at some stage soon it's going to happen. What are the options to save for your next car purchase?
1: Yeah, we've done, I mean, one episode we did previously was saving for holidays. And, and, you know, that would really be relevant to saving for a car as well. But the the one thing I would say, if if you can save, the the bigger deposit you have, I mean, if you've got a deposit, it can save you hundreds of pounds off the cost of your car. The more you put down, the more favourable finance terms you're usually going to get. And some of these not percent finance deals depend on you having a larger deposit as well. So definitely encourage people, if you can save to to have a bigger deposit or save to purchase a car outright, then it's going to save you some some interest there. So definitely worth doing that if if you can
0: afford to. Now, one of the things I love most about getting a new car, apart from the new car smell, obviously, is the fact that with a new car, you don't have to pay some of the extras for a while, like car tax or whatever. And you often find the dealer will throw in a few incentives to make it seem like they're giving you more and charging you less than the, the showroom along the way. But when you get a few years in, those costs they sort of come biting back. So it's probably worth looking longer term at the outset and not being lured in. What are those running costs you might otherwise forget about when you're buying, Phil?
1: Yeah, I mean it's all right saying yeah I can afford the monthly payment on any kind of car deal, but you've got to remember that you've got kind of running costs as well. So you 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 have car tax. You may have, after three years, your, your car would require an MOT. We, we've kind of mentioned about cars depreciating in value. That There's very few cars go up in value over time. It's usually an asset that does depreciate and, and go down in value. You've got your fuel costs, car insurance. So there, there's quite a lot of costs that you need to take into account as well. So it's not just the, the monthly payment that you may be making on anything. You've got to make sure you can afford all these other things as well.
0: Okay, and, and any tips for, for motorists, Phil?
1: Yeah, a, a few tips to, to kind of help folk with their, their motoring costs. The first one I would say is shop around for fuel. There's websites such as confuse.com that's got a section on like comparison, they comparing like petrol and diesel and, and LPG costs. At the minute, I had a look earlier today, my local Tesco would be cheapest near me. We, we didn't have many petrol stations close to where I stay. If if I was to go there to fill up my tank, as opposed to the other local fuel station, it would save me around £3 each visit that I make. And if you were filling your car up every week, I mean, that's working out at over £150, saving over over the cost of a year. So definitely worth shopping around for for your fuel. Shop around for cheaper car insurance as well. And what what I would say, though, is cheapest isn't always the the best. But use price comparison websites for that sort of thing as well. Just gives you an idea of the, the cost. I, in the past, I have some seen some cheap car insurance deals where the excess, if you make a claim, is maybe really high. So watch out for, for that as well. Other way that you can sort of reduce your, your motor in and kind of traveling costs is to consider car sharing and, and car clubs. If you commute by car, if you share your journey, that there could if others are doing the same sort of route, that could save a bit of money there. There's also websites such as Liftshare. It's um, liftshare.com where, where you can sort of get people to share. The one thing I would say with that is you want your safety is paramount. So you've got to watch who you're sharing with. But the things like that are, are worth considering as well. And not only is that saving money, but it might also save CO2 emissions. So it's good for the environment as well. And the, the car owner clubs are, are starting to become, uh, car clubs are, are starting to become a wee bit um, more popular. One I've seen in Aberdeen is the Cofields Car Club. There's other ones called Zip Car, Enterprise Car Club. This might be an option to consider, but it tends to be more in bigger cities. You, you tend to find if you're living out in the sticks, there, there doesn't, Seem to be as many options for for that sort of thing, but again, a, a car club could be another way that it might be able to save you money. And if you're not doing an awful lot of miles, that that might be quite a financially something that that would save you. But another tip for for motorists, I would say, is check your tyre pressure because underinflated tyres mean that you'll use more fuel. And again, when it comes to servicing, shop around for that and see if you kind of get a, a cheaper deal on that as well. So a few tips there to, to try and reduce your
0: motoring costs. You know the thing that always happens to me, Phil, is you, you'll be in the car, right? It'll be lunchtime. You'll think, right, I'll nip out for a sandwich, oh, and I need to fill up the car. So you go to the petrol station, you get your sandwich, you're coming out, you're back in the car, you turn the car on, the radio comes on, the news is on, and it says, just as you're pulling out the forecourt, it says, and petrol prices are about to be reduced. Like, oh, I've always just filled up the car when they take three pence off a litre. It's always away. I you ever noticed that? Definitely, <laughs> <laughs> that always happens. Uh, just one other thing that interests me, Phil, the motoring industry as a whole, you know, in response to governments of the world uh, as a whole, they're going down the route of non-traditional fossil fuel guzzling cars, whether it's hybrid or all electric. You've got hydrogen buses in the streets of Aberdeen now. There's a feeling that, they will literally move to the age of car, as we grew up knowing it, becoming extinct. Not just pressure from the, the manufacturing industry, but infrastructure like fuel levies and cities like London and Birmingham, now making it all the more expensive to own and run specific models and types of vehicles. Should we just bite the bullet now and, and buy what they want us to embrace? Do you think?
1: I, I was speaking to someone the other day, I cannot remember who it was, but they, they were saying they, they had an electric car. And they, they made a long journey, I think it was from Scotland down to the, the south of England, and they were sort of bemoaning the fact that they had to stop several times to, to keep charging it up. And yeah. they, they actually, they, they, that example, they, they tried to say to me, oh, look, it wasn't any cheaper than if we'd actually... So so cost-wise, I mean, in, in theory, it should be a lot cheaper to run, like electric motors and things. I, I think their popularity is going up, and as the battery technology improves, I think we'll see the popularity of things like electric cars go up an awful lot. So I, I would watch this space with that. I think that will be something that will start
0: coming up a lot more in, yeah. in years to come. It's got to become price effective like anything, is not it? You can yeah. you can get all electric cars just now, but they tend people, to be quite expensive. People want, things, they, they want life
1: to be easy. They don't want <laughs> to be stopping every two, three hours to have to charge up a car and then away again, And especially if you're doing longer journeys. I mean, it, 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 I know people that have got... Like car charging points at their house, and if you're just running in and out to work, which maybe yeah. a few miles every day, great. But um, on that longer journey, I think it's still a bit of a problem at the
0: minute. I know if, if you've ever seen how big a fifty mile drama cable actually is to put in the back of the car and stick the plug in at the house, it's it's really it's really difficult. Now, each week, uh, so far as we've covered various topics, Phil's given us a look back over his own life story and how it's been affected by the subjects we've been talking about. So, Phil, today, buying and running a car, what have you got on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, at, at the moment, I, I lease my car on a short-term arrangement. Now, it suits me just now because I've, I've just moved house. And I wanted to see where I ended up first. I, I kind of thought, I was like, a lot of my motoring costs will be depending on where I'm going to be going. So, as it's turned out, I, I'm about five miles away from where I used to be. So, I'm not within... If I'd a home, like, walking distance to, to the office then I might have thought, right, might may need a car at all. So I, I thought, right, I'm going to just do a short-term lease just to kind of suit my needs, see how things go. But as I mentioned earlier, I've had PCB, PCP agreements in the past. I've had car loans, bank loans. There's no right or wrong answer. And, and it's good to just weigh up, weigh up several options and, and just see... What you, you think. But for me, just now, I thought, right, short term agreement, just as a kind of stopgap until I knew my plans. That, that was what I'm
0: doing just at the minute. And we almost do this bit as well, Phil. You, you find inspiration through various people that you admire and you love a quote. Have you got one that fits our subject matter for this episode yeah, of I buying and running a car?
1: I don't know who to attribute this to, but money can't buy happiness. It can buy you your dream car.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But would, now, you say, put, put, would your dream car be, John? Oh, do you know, I'm, I, this is the thing, Phil. I'm not a car guy. If you ask my 14 year old son, what would your dream car be, he would tell you. He, he would know straight off. The, the, yeah. If you ask my wife, what would your dream car be, she would tell you. And I, I suppose if I was pushed, if I probably an Aston Martin DB5. Yeah, it's probably right. a James car.
1: I've always wanted a convertible. I've never had a convertible car. And I, I was looking them up one day and there's one Bentley I've got one's called the GTC and it, it looks really nice. But you know, I'm like you, cars have have never really been a big driver for me to, to kind of work hard. I always <laughs> so think, speak. right, if it gets me for 80B, I'm happy as long as yeah. it's reliable. That, that's the main thing. Peter in the office, oh man, what a lad he is. He, he's actually got three cars. Well, he changes it. Honestly, every few months, and do you, do you know, as, as a business owner, for me it's great because every time he changes his car, oh perfect. He's going to have to work harder to keep buying <laughs> financing these things. But, oh, the amount of money he must
0: have lost over the years on cars would be, oh, scary, wow. I would think. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, now, Phil is really keen on trying to help you with your financial queries. If you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if you wish. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. Give it to you after these. Uh, our first question. I read an article this week suggesting that Aberdeen has gone from being one of the most expensive places to buy a home in the UK to one of the most affordable, largely down to the collapse of the oil industry. Do you think the article's correct? And if so, are those prices likely to stay lower?
1: I read something earlier on today saying that over the last year, house prices in Scotland, there's 32 local authority areas and it says that house prices have gone up in 31 out of (laughs) the 32 in the last year. So I, I would say... I probably wouldn't say that Aberdeen would be now one of the most affordable, but the, the local market in Aberdeen really is quite different to many places because it's driven so much by the, the oil and gas industry. The, the one thing I am finding just now is a lot of people are trying, rather than space seems to be a big thing, maybe it's because of COVID, I, I don't know, but people are now, instead of going into flats, or, or maybe in a small one-bedroom property, they're trying to make the jump straight in may maybe like a two- or three-bedroom house. So that that's one thing that I've seen quite a bit over the last few months. But um, I don't know. I then I think it's... I mean, the cost of living is, has been going up quite a bit lately, so I probably wouldn't agree, and I, I wouldn't say that it's becoming more affordable. You, you may get some properties that have gone down a bit in value, maybe some of the flats, so that might be a little bit more... Affordable, but as a whole, so so that article I read today said that thirty-one out of thirty-two local authority areas in Scotland
0: house prices had risen over the last year. And I suppose it's too much to hope for that Aberdeen or Aberdeenshire was the one where it hadn't gone up. Uh, next is Caitlin in Perth, who says people keep trying to get me to invest in Bitcoin. I hear a lot about it. I don't really understand it. Do you think it's a good investment? And where's the best place to find out more about it?
1: What I would say, I've said before, I need, like, an expert in Bitcoin. That the one thing I would say is Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrencies can be very high risk, can be very volatile, it would be classed as speculative. The other thing with it, you don't have the same protections from, like, of the financial ombudsman or the financial services compensa- compensation scheme. So what, what I would say is you're unlikely to be protected if something goes wrong. If you're investing in this sort of thing, you've got to be prepared to lose all your money. I mean, you, you may make gains, but at the same time, you've got to think, right, am I prepared to, with the with losses? Can I afford to lose it as well? I, I would say a good starting place to find out more, the, the Financial Conduct Authority, the, the FCA, on their website, they do have a page on crypto assets. So a good starting point might be to, to go there. But so many people, the, the thing is with, with crypto stuff, it's influenced so heavily. I mean, you'll find a a sports star will invest in something and all of a sudden, up it goes, but it can go down just as quick as it can can go down. So I, I would definitely be cautious, do a lot of due diligence if you are going into anything like that, and also be prepared. I mean, Yeah, the the gains are great, but be prepared to to make losses as well. It's something I'm, I'm going to look into more. At some point, we'll do a show on it, and then we'll try and get somebody on, I think, but it's not something I know enough about myself, so we'll maybe try and get somebody on at some point, for a, an episode to, to cover that sort of thing as well.
0: And you and I will, will have strength in numbers, Phil. That if this person tries to sell us into Bitcoin investment, you and I will just staunchly sit there and say, "No, no, we're not going to do it. <laughs> no, we're not going to do it." Um, there, there's the the, um, the thing as well. Did you see the, the FCA have like a page on it, but they, they don't they don't actually actively regulate it.
1: Yeah, do you see? It's it's not a regulated investment, so you don't. if, if anything goes wrong you've no former address that that's the thing. And yeah. do, you, do you know, like if, if somebody goes to a financial advisor, I, I, I've seen some folk try to speculate on currencies. I like the dollar or the pound and, and things like that in the past and It's really high risk. That, that's a thing. And, and, and I, although I don't know much about Bitcoin or crypto assets, it's the same and, and it all depends. I mean, as, through having worked as a financial advisor previously, the the one thing you've got to do is look at folk and say, right, what's your capacity for loss? And what's your tolerance to to risk? Now, I've tended to find that people, yeah, they like the idea of things doing really well, but they don't want the downside and the risk. So it's a bit like, they going into bookies, but if if you go to the bookie and put money on something, it carries a risk. You could lose the whole lot. And and that's really the same with, with this Type of thing as well.
0: Yeah, you Very mentioned speculative. Yeah, you mentioned that some people speculate on currency. The, the thing that I always think about currency is that nine times out of ten, it does the exact opposite of what you think it might do. And the example that I'll give you, not that I do this <laughs> on, on, on any big scale, but I remember when Brexit happened and the vote came through, and you know, Britain is leaving the European Union would have expected perhaps that the pound would stumble upon that news and it didn't it went the other way it went up uh experts tell me that, that that's that exactly what should have happened but I just don't understand that for a moment Phil
1: <laughs> yes yeah, it is like currency and fluctuations and that that's why it's it so risky and and like you say sometimes it goes the opposite way of what you maybe think it will, will go and but um yeah I I tend end day look invest in like normal currencies or, like, Bitcoin. It, it's, it, it, like, especially the, the cryptocurrencies. It's not something I know an awful lot about. So I, I couldn't advise somebody to say, yeah, you should do this. One of my pals has done it. He he did really well. I think he put in a couple of thousand pounds initially. It Then I, I'm sure it went up to, like, about 20,000. And at that point, he thought, right, I'll take my initial money back out. And if I lose anything now, I've only lost the money that are this extra that I've, I've gained. And, but, ah, oh, as you, you see... The thing I find with it is it's so near rigged, but certain people can influence it. Like I think when Lionel Messi signed for, for PSG, it was saying that he he'd asked Tank for his wages to be in some kind of cryptocurrency. Yeah. So so that all of a sudden the demand for that went right up, but then it can come down as quick as it went up. So it is, it's just
0: a uh, very risky. Yeah, I've heard of, of investment groups as well that, that try to, you know, so there'll be something that'll be sitting in that market and all of a sudden uh, there there's, you know, millions invested in terms of it. Uh, and, and they're just trying simply to influence. And nobody can understand why all that money's gone into it and they're just trying to influence the market. Um, everybody wants to make a quick buck. You yeah. Remember
1: years ago, you had all these pyramid schemes and stuff. And it is, people like the idea, I will oh, get rich quick, but doesn't work like that like yeah. quite often it, it you know it's like building up and when we invest in it it's about the time you do it for it's not about Timing and, and getting in, is it? that's a thing.
0: No such thing as an overnight success, as they say, Phil. You, I know. I would just say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few, few topics so far and we might have touched on what you're interested in. But there's there's a promise that we'll, we'll look at Bitcoin and the like in future mm-hmm. programmes. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us today for the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been discussing or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for Finance search phil anderson financial services online or on the facebook page for the show search personal finance with phil anderson that's personal finance with phil anderson on facebook phil's on twitter and linkedin too or why not email phil a question he can answer on a future show his address is phil at phil that's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question. Like I say, Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that is what you prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or whatever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, Sean.